Hello, and welcome back to part two of our interview with Victor Gerbo, musician, guitar maker, and True Bay original. Hope you enjoy this part of the episode, and stay tuned for more episodes coming up this week. What to do? Let's uh, yeah. Why don't why don't we um? You want to talk a little bit, and then we'll uh, maybe sure. we'll play another one. Yeah, it sounds good. I'll make sure that's it. Well, because well, um, um, I wanted to talk about just just we you know we talked a lot about music and we talked a lot about um mm. your performance, but you're an artist in many different ways, and you really are. And you know, I've um, just per I mean, we skipped past a lot of it, but you know, I I met you um, through my wife Christine, who was your neighbor, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been we've been pretty good friends, you know, and um. Um, we've done some stuff with graphic design, but I've always kind of just questioned, you know, uh, your advice in, in terms of anything artistic, you know, you played it by, uh, the race we did for my father. Uh, I think you've even got me some headwear. You know, I, I think I, I, uh, compliment you on some of your uh, hats, but uh, you're an artist in all, in so many different facets. I even see behind you, there's some, there's some drawing yeah, yeah. paintings. I don't know. Is that a lot of your work as well? Uh, yes. When I was uh, I was a double wow. major in college, uh, I was an English uh, BA and a fine art BFA. And uh, one of my projects was I took all of my notebooks from, God, from like early high school up, up through college. And I, I always doodled on the margins. That was kind of how I took notes. Um, <laughs> even in that, I can see classes that I took. And um I always kept the notebooks because I'm like, what the hell do I do with it? And um, I decided to take the, take the studio space for, you know, you had to, you know, basically put on a show to graduate. And um, I took the wall and I just coated it in, in my art and made like a mural. Um, and uh, the rest of them, some of them are my pieces and some of them are just pieces that I've, I've picked up and I like. I mean, I, I think to be... To succeed in any art form, the best thing that you can do is look at and listen to good art. Um, and sometimes even bad art is good art. <laughs> that yeah. makes any sense. Um, you know, a painting you pick up in a yard sale could be, could be it. It doesn't have to be in a museum. I mean, again, that's also part of the folk element, that it doesn't need, you know, a velvet rope between you and it. If it yeah. speaks to you and it makes you feel something, it is, it's art. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, one of kind of, I mean, a, a huge, uh, I've mentioned it before, a huge part of um, my artwork and the way that I see things is that I've grown up looking at the photographs done by Andre Cortez. And even though he's a photographer that kind of hung his hat on being a modernist, um, I mean, he, you know, the, by the nature of when he was born, he was born, what, I think? 18, 1895, 1894, somewhere around there. Um, I mean, the artwork that he was referencing and inspired by was all classical work. It was classical Hungarian art. And even though he was using a camera, which is a modern medium and then was considered, you know, avant-garde, ooh, camera, (laughs) you know, and even today is kind of considered a more edgy modern art format, the geometry in his work is impeccable. I mean, it's just you look at and it doesn't it doesn't always translate in terms of like just an innate and actually the opposite of what I was about to say is that it doesn't always translate. You look at it and you understand why you like it. But the but if you set up something right and you capture a moment right and same way if you paint a painting right, the geometry of it hits you in it like it's it's good in its innate form and that element can be taken and put into every form of art. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be a photograph. It doesn't have to be a painting. A, uh, a photo, uh, sorry, a, a song can also be both kind of soft focus and sharp at the same time. Like you mm-hmm. can do, th- everything applies. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't believe that, I mean, and this is when, you, and you see artists from every walk of life, you find out that, you know, a musician's a photographer. That's actually a really common thing. Graham Nash, uh, meddled around with um, uh, photography all the time um, and um, and you find out that like you know a painter also played the flute or something like that like 
it's all connected in a way and they're all different outlets we oh, usually we stumble on one that we are particularly inspired by or called to in terms of how we make our art but well, that, that brings me, principles translate into every form that brings me to what i want to talk about is uh you know you are an artist you are a musician mm -hmm. and you engage in all, all kinds of art you participate mm -hmm. like i said graphic design um but you, you're a craftsman as well, mm -hmm. and you build, uh, design and build uh, guitars from scratch, yes. um, and, and pretty successful. I mean, you really make some great guitars, and uh, you've uh, sent them all around the world, and you have an interesting story to talk about that, and that's Bacoli, mm -hmm. um, Bacoli Guitars. And that's your, your middle name, right? And you, you, we were talking yes. about that earlier. Yes. About, uh, that's um, your... Yeah, no, um, my mom's... Uh, last name is Vocally, um, and um, she's Italian, and um, uh, I, um, all of my, it's, as it sounds, Vocally, the, the, all of the, uh, all of my Italian relatives were trained singers, they're opera, uh, opera singers, classical piano players, my grandfather, who I'm named after, um, was a concert um, uh, violin player. Um, which I'm sure he'd be spinning in his grave if he knew I played folk and country music. Um, and uh, it's funny is that um, you know I, I was I was so thrilled when um, when I got to play at uh, Brooklyn Academy of Music, and um, I haven't uh, really formally announced this anywhere, um, but I'll tell you um, uh, this year I was supposed to play at Carnegie Hall. That was the big show that we were supposed to do this year that got kind of postponed because of the pandemic. We're going to officially announce its postponement soon, even though it's obviously postponed. <laughs> um, and um, I was searching some old uh, Brooklyn newspaper stuff and uh, I found not only did uh, my family, uh, my grandfather play at Brooklyn Academy of Music, but you know, the vocalies also played at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> so nothing that I, uh, <laughs> Nothing that I uh, ever did. You know, that's also part of the nature of, I mean, the, the nature of art, the nature of folk music. Nothing is ever 100% original. We're all building off of other things, but I, I thought it was so funny. I'm like, ooh, I have this thing that's going to be fun. And I'm like, oh, nope, they did it. Um, and, um, and yeah, no, so um, I, uh, they, uh, they moved to Bay Ridge in the, in, in the 1920s. Um, my great-grandfather emigrated from Italy, I think, in 1880, um, but I believe they came to New York, but they settled in Bay Ridge. When my great-aunt moved here, um, Our Lady of Angels was called the Church in the Woods, <laughs> to my knowledge. Um, and um, and uh, so... Uh, That's interesting, because, you know, I went to OLA, so I'll have to... Really? Uh, my, mom, yeah. my mom also went to OLA. I mean, my... Um, Church in the Woods. <laughs> my... Um, my Dad's dad emigrated from Norway in, I think, 1927, also came to Bay Ridge. Um, so I've, you know, and I've born and raised here. I mean, I was born in Manhattan, but I, uh, mm -hmm. I, I've lived here all my life. Um, and um, so, yeah, anyway, back to the, back to the guitars. Um, so, I mean, uh, uh, there's uh, no more male vocalies, so I wanted to... Um, keep the name alive in a way, even though there's still a bunch of them over in Italy. There were two brothers. One came here, the other one didn't. Um, and um, I also wanted to pay homage to them. Um, I never got to meet, I never met my grandfather. I never met um, any of the, um, any of the uh, uh, performers. But um, when my, uh, my father was talking to my great aunt, and she passed away at 106, and this wasn't all that long before she passed away. And um, my dad said that uh, I was I was uh, I I was I was in a school play and they forced me to sing and I didn't want to sing, <laughs> I really didn't want to sing, um, but they forced me to, um, and um, it was fun and I ended up uh, being okay at it. Um, and uh, my dad was talking to her and said like, oh well, you know he's he's you know he's singing in a play and he's learning how to play guitar. And she goes, oh of course they all do that. That's what, <laughs> that's what they all do. Um, so I, I didn't really realize it, but it's sort of a, sort of a family craft, um, at the end of the day. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, um, what drove me to it was, uh, always the practical element, um, which I would say also drove me to 
singing songs is I like, I liked writing poetry, but I'm like, how do I convert this into money? <laughs> how do I convert this into something that's not that I've figured out that formula perfectly, but I'm like, how do you convert this into a craft? Um, and um, the same thing with art. I, I love making art and I'm like, how do I make something, make something that uh, can really drive with people that can, that, that can work for people. Um, because uh, I mean, at, at the end of the day, artists are craftsmen. I mean, like that's that's all it is. We're craftsmen, we're craftswomen. That's what we what we do. We're making something for someone else to enjoy. And even like high end galleries and stuff, like a lot of you know museum culture and stuff has gone a lot into you know like here's the story. And I remember even being in college, like your BFA, like you had to have this you know big grandiose statement. And I'm like, but is it good? Like, is does it look pretty? And it's like, oh, well, they all have to connect. I'm like, but but is it good? Do you like it? Does is is it well, pretty? Well, let me ask you this. I mean, you um. You said you were a self-taught musician. I mean, you you can you can understand how someone uh, picks up a, a an instrument. Mm-hmm. You talked about the process of you know finding bandmates and you know mm-hmm. hustling to get get gigs. How did you build a guitar? You know what made you well, you know is it trial and error? Well, here's uh, what. And, uh, and what kind of these are not acoustic guitars, right? This is these a, are solid body electrics. I do hope to one day be able to, but it's um it's it's a whole other art form. I mean, an acoustic guitar. Is basically built to um, be on the verge of self-destructing at every second. It's a it's a much more precise form than cutting some holes in a piece of wood. Not mm-hmm. not downplaying electric guitars, but like mm-hmm. there's 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 a sort of subtlety to it that um requires much much mm-hmm. a lot a lot a lot more training and much more expensive tools that I do not have. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, what happened was uh, when I was accepted into the NPR competition, um, I decided to. Uh, treat myself and to order a, uh, an electric guitar from a builder in the city. Um, and um, uh, his name is Rick Kelly. Um, he built, uh, the way that I found out about him was that um, Bob Dylan used one of his electric guitars. Also Jim Jarmuth ha- has one of his guitars. A, a lot of Patti Smith, tons of, tons of really, really, really incredible titans in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I found him, uh, he works in this little shop in um, off Carmine Street. And um, I, uh, I commissioned a guitar from him. I bit the bullet and I did it. And I said, oh, well, how long is it going to take? And he said, oh, it'll just take a couple of months and it'll, it'll be done. I'm like, oh, that's great because I have the, the contest is, is right here and it'd be really great to... Um, it was supposed to take six months. It took him four years. He's, he was incredibly backordered. And it's, if you go online, find the forum, it's, you know, there's a lot of people. It's, it's, a, it's a never-ending stream of people complaining that they're waiting and then a picture when someone gets one and everyone goes crazy and then it goes back to people. Um, so yeah, I mean, he had... He had overextended himself and uh, he didn't have the heart to tell me. So I kept coming back and he would say, oh, it's in the spray booth. It'll be done at the end of the month. Come back later, kid. And um, as I was there, I I saw the tools that he had. I saw his process and I got impatient. (laughs) And I went home and I built my own for the contest. Wow. Um, And um, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I like making something again, like part of the impetus of putting the scrap notes together into making something. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I want to make something tactile, make something big, make something that isn't, you know, it becomes something. And and it's wonderful to be able to just like with playing with other people, to see someone playing something I made is really, you know, it feels good. Mm -hmm. Um, I get to feel like I'm helping somebody. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, this is real interest. I mean, I know that um, you've sold them uh, uh, throughout the world or different the, places, and the furthest one that I got was to Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, one of the first ones that I did, which is pretty funny. Um, so I like to use reclaim and eco-friendly lumber for a number of reasons. One of them being that, um, I mean, part of the impetus for imported and exotic woods. I mean, some of them look real pretty, not going to lie. Um, but uh, here's, um, here's an example is that, you know, Brazilian rosewood, which is now endangered. Um, it's a, you know, very pretty, hard, hard to grow wood. Um, it was used in a lot of the early acoustic guitars. Um, and when mass production hit, it was already starting to get harder and harder to get. Pretty wood is expensive. So they changed to um, uh, mahogany is kind of like the standard for what they were using. Simultaneously, since mass production was taking off, they started making larger bridge plates, which underneath, underneath a 
flat-top acoustic guitar, there's a piece of wood. It's basically a plate. Mm-hmm. And if it's thin, makes sense. You know, the older guitars, the reason why people love them, they're thin, they're finely made. You know, if you're slapping a bunch of guitars together, it's thicker, it's easier, it's less likely to break, less, you know, less error. And so a lot of players went like, oh my god, that sounded so much better. We need that exotic wood. Doesn't matter. I mean, like, yes, wood has certain tonalities and stuff that's sort of innate to it, but I've been in higher-end guitar shops and I've found, like, you know, a guitar from the same year, but one of them aged in Tennessee and the other one aged in California, and they sound totally different. I mean, like, there's part of searching for the right guitar is accepting that there's it's just total chaos i mean you can kind of break things down into rules and what sounds like what but at the end of the day like they're pieces of wood they were alive they all have their own character in different well people. let me ask you this what's the most interesting piece of reclaimed wood that you well, made it that's actually going into the story that i'm <laughs> i'm one step ahead um and so um and and also on top of that um Part of the reason why vintage guitars are coveted is because the wood's old. The wood air dries, so the molecules kind of solidify in a certain way. They air dry, and they sound really good. If you get a new acoustic guitar, a lot of players say, oh, I got to break it in, or it sounds kind of thick and dull. It's because there's usually a number of reasons, but one of them is the wood's new, and if you basically put put it in an oven to dry it, it doesn't dry the same way. And I guarantee you, in the building that you're in right now, underneath the floorboards, there are, you know, 100-year-old beams that were clear cut from the Catskills that were already gigantic ancient trees. So you, we're, we're sitting on, in, in Bay Ridge, a gold mine <laughs> of tone wood. Um, and I love using pine because also it's authentically American. I mean, like, they don't have to go far. We don't have to import anything. It's all right there. And the original Telecaster was made out of pine. Like, you know, so, and the reason why they stopped using it was players went, I played it and it looks like it was used. And they're like, well, you, you played it. What'd you expect was going to happen? Like, I want it to look new. So like, all right, fine. We'll make it a harder wood. Um, it, it's loud. It sounds like a cannon. It's great to work with. The caveat is that it dents a little bit easier. But my, what I always say is that unless you're doing what Keith Richards did in this one video, you should look it up. It's really great. He's on stage and some crazy fan gets up. He's playing his telecaster. He takes it off. He spins it around, cracks the guy on the head and then keeps playing the solo. Unless you're doing that, you should be fine. Um, when my father and I were doing test tests for guitar bodies, we cut a, it was it was a thin piece of wood, and I thought it kind of looked familiar. And um, and he said, just and I, I, you know, it was it was cut, and I was going to chuck it out because I made a little mistake on it. It's just towards the edge. And um, uh, my dad said, uh, you know, that was a that was a shelf that was in Andre Cortez's apartment. Because my father, one of the things that he did for him when he met him was he was a carpenter and he, that's why all the tools are in the basement, is that one of the things he did was the, the guy said, like, I need shelves for all my photographs and all, all, all my stuff and my books. And he's like, yeah, I'll build you the, the shelf. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I went like, Ugh! and I pulled it out of the trash. And he's like, don't. It's, and I'm like, no, 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 no. And I went and I, I changed the body shape to cut off the little thing that I cut off on the end. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I made a piece of wood that uh, I made a guitar that was technically in Andre Cortez's apartment. Um, it, um, and there was a, a guy that contacted me who was in Japan, who was a, a huge photographer. Uh, aficionado of Cortez and was also an amateur guitar player and he was like this is my dream instrument so I, I, wow. I yeah. it over to him but I was really happy that it went to someone that um you know I was really it was really happy that the stars overlined because you don't usually get like an obscure you know an obscure yeah. artist in the terms of like you know this uh, that is so many le- like you said so many yeah. le- art yeah, I know I mean what <laughs> And um, so uh, the planets aligned for that. So that's as that's as far as that one that one got. I don't know if any of the, any of the other ones got further. But the thing is, that's also neat is that you don't really know. I mean, like on yeah. occasion, I'll look on eBay and be like, "Holy crap! How did that get to Maryland or something right. like that?" Well, um, if people listening or watching want to want to want to take a look at some of your guitars, where would they? Where can they go? Um, they can check out Vocally Guitars, V-O-C-C-O-L-I, guitars.com. Um, also, I'm on Instagram. That's where I religiously post as I'm down in the shop and I just take a picture of what I'm doing. Um, and from that webpage, you can link to my, you know, it's called uh, uh, Reverb, which is a, one of the ways people sell guitars. And you can see stuff on there. So, um, yep. All and what about uh, some of your, you, you were talking about TikTok. Do you want to plug any of your um, channels? <laughs> 
Um, I am, well, again, just Victor V. Gerbo, V-I-C-T-O-R-V-G-U-R-B-O on any platform you should be able to find me. Even Twitter, which I'm not good at, but if you want to see my lame tweets, you're more than welcome to. Um, I, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's the same, it's the same handle on, 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 on TikTok and Instagram and all those. And, and, and TikTok has been fun. I haven't posted anything recently in part because my my cell phone camera's on the fritz but um one of the things i do on there is i um uh as as i was talking about before i foolishly spend my money on vintage guitars and um and i, I know a lot about them so I'll, I'll pull one up and chat about it um <laughs> and uh so that there's that's that's the that's a lot of the content on there you know, I have to, I have a guitar that um, is, uh, you know, my mom had passed away and mm-hmm. she had had some stuff uh, that her, uh, her father had given to her and somewhere in the family, there was some guitars and they're, they're, um, I, I have them somewhere and I've got to get them over to you on to see and you take a look and what you think about them. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. If you're interested in them or uh, certainly. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd be happy to, happy to tell you about what they are and what they do because i mean and even if you're ever thinking about playing i mean one thing i always say is that the biggest detriment um to players are poorly set up cheap guitars and i mean and it's so tempting i mean you see a guitar for a hundred dollars and like you know sam ash or guitar center but the problem is is that you know the neck if the neck warps and you start getting pressure back it becomes hard to play. And I got to say, you know, as I was learning, I had, you know, a cheap Yamaha and um, I was like, I'm terrible at this. And I was, but, (laughs) um, but, but a huge part of the problem was the guitar wasn't set up properly and keeping, keeping your instruments set up and easy to play um, is really crucial. I can't stress that enough, especially, especially for new players. Um, because it's so easy to get um, uh, discouraged. And it also kind of goes into the impetus that I had to make guitars, because all of my guitars are 100% one-offs. Like, I don't have, like, a, a, a model or one. Like, I mean, I have, like, a shape that I'll, I'll keep doing, but I always cut it by hand, in part because I want them to be 100% original and different, so no one is in any way the same. As what was the... Uh, the uh... The violin, the Stradivarius, was that, that was one of the famous uh, violins. Were they originals or were they, I know they were handcrafted. Yes. I mean, there's a, I mean, violins are, uh, buying a violin at a yard sale is like buying a lottery ticket. I mean, they're (laughs) fascinating. Um, I I know very little about how to play violin um, other than it's tuned like a mandolin. Um, But um, I mean, I mean it, to, that point, to, to your point about it being an individual oh, instrument. Oh, yes. It goes back in, in, into that. Everyone is handcrafted and one of a kind in, in, yes, that, in that way. Yes. And, um, I mean, there's a sort of guitar lore that goes back to, I mean, I argue it goes back to Excalibur. I mean, like, we all kind of like the notion of, like, we need the Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, even, like, you know, and you know, our other archetypal stories like Star Wars and stuff like the weapon used by so-and-so and whatever, like, and then you think, so you think of like the great lost guitars too, like Robert Johnson, who's, you know, the myth of selling a soul to the devil was not his, but really kind of circulated around him. He, he died young. I think he died at 24. He was poisoned. Um, and, um, but a, a lot of mythology circulated around him and he was photographed with a, a Gibson L1 um, that never turned up again. Um, and a lot of players are obsessed with finding that guitar. Um, same thing goes for, you know, Dylan had a, had a, had a Nick Lucas special that he played and recorded with on some of his earlier albums It vanished. And uh, I mean, no, it's interesting because, you know, you just made me think of something. Mm -hmm. It's true. A lot of the guitars that are, that are, um, uh, professionally made and, 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 you know, by, by, by Gibson or some of these other companies mm. are maybe mass produced, but they become part of the artist or they become, you know, yes. when they're played and, and they become it. Whereas your, your guitars are literally just one of a kind. So you, right. you get to skip all of that. Right. I mean, your own, there's nothing like it, but you know, I mean, I remember I, my father was a big Willie Nelson fan, you know, Willie Nelson. Oh, talk about that. Maybe you can tell us about that. I've noticed he's got, He's got a hole in the guitar from playing it for 50 years. I think he still has it. He has a name for the, uh, 
for the guitar as well. Yes, his guitar is named Willie Nelson and Trigger is, uh, is, is another famous guitar combo. Um, Willie Nelson plays a Martin classical guitar um, that's set up with a, it's a Baldwin acoustic pickup, which was an early, early, early acoustic guitar pickup. Um, I believe he had a Baldwin classical that got smashed on stage, and when he got the Martin, he um, brought it to a luthier and had that pickup put into it. And he loved it, loved how it sounds so much that he, he's, he, he always says he's going to play that guitar until he's dead. And the day that he stops touring is the day that he can't play that guitar. And that guitar, classical guitars, I mean, it makes sense for Willie Nelson because it sort of has that kind of gypsy jazz sound to what he plays. Um, but classical guitars, yeah. they have a cedar top, which is a softer wood. And he, there was an interview, I was listening to somebody, they said they knew it was a good show and they saw just pieces of wood flying out of that guitar. And he's been playing that guitar religiously. And yeah, I mean, he's worn a hole straight through the top. And that's not necessarily uncommon. I've seen other players who are aggressive. And I actually even have an acoustic guitar that has a cedar top as well. And I use particularly sharp picks. And I'm starting to notice... Like you know, I'm I'm starting I'm starting to wear through the top. It's it's going to be a while before I hit that point. But that's, I mean, again, part of the. There's a new thing that's kind of first, not really all that new, but you know, you can spend a lot of money for road worn guitars. So you know, Fender will sell a guitar that will look pre reliced It'll have all the wear from where your arm sits on the guitar and scratch marks. And like, <laughs> you can just buy the guitar and play the hell out of it. You don't have to spend the extra money on the, on the road-worn effect. Um, and um, it all goes back to the notion of like, people want special instruments. They want something that is unique, something that's, they, 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 they want their own Excalibur. <clears throat> and a lot of like, you know, a lot of guitar players make their choices on they see someone that they really love playing, a, you know, seeing the who, you know, smash the SGs when they were doing that tour. And it's a fun fact that there's actually a shortage of SGs from the years when he was doing the smashing part of the uh, of the of, of the of the who's tour. I forget which one that was. Um but um, and then you end up buying a guitar because you liked how you know you liked how they sounded, liked how they looked. Um, right. And then you think of like you know, um, the Jimmy Page had that SG that was you know, painted with the you know the looks like an angel on it and stuff like that. And so then all of a sudden you get into the culture of modifying your guitars. So um, I wanted to provide something for people so they'd feel special. I mean, part of why. Every player hits a point, especially when they're learning, when they go, it's not me, it's the guitar. And of course it's you, but part of it is you do have to go on your own journey to find an instrument that works for you. But also, at the end of the day, it also has to be something that makes you want to pick it up. It doesn't even necessarily, it doesn't matter how it sounds, if it's a, you know, if it's a toy... If it's a Squire Stratocaster and it makes you want to pick it up every day because you think it looks cool, that's all that matters. And some people need something that looks unique and different. Um, so, I mean, it, it's it's mental as much as it is, I you know, as much as it is what it sounds like. Wow, really cool. You know, um, we're, we're, we're moving towards, I don't know, maybe almost two hours, I think, which is pretty <laughs> cool. So I think what we'll do is I'll probably break this into two episodes apart okay. from our okay. two episodes. Um, but, um, some of the other things I just wanted to touch on is, um, do you have any advice for any young players out there or, uh, people that want to become, you know, listening to this podcast, mm. future musicians or anybody in Bay Ridge that's interested in, you know, getting into the scene, you know, um, becoming a musician, what, what's your advice? Don't do it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, if you do if you follow any kind of artistic passion it's a it's a need it's you know we're stuck doing this we're all like you know there's the you know the exhaustion and rejection it, it it's it comes with the package and it's just part, it, it, it's it's part of the game but you do it because you need to do it because you have something you need to say you you if 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 you need to do it you will do it and um and part of it's just being there it's not you know, you hear these kind of, again, lots of myths with everything, but there's the myth of like, you know, 
oh, she went to the club and she played the piano and the record producer was there and heard her and said, wow. And then the next thing you know, it's, you know, the, she's all, you know, on TV and this and that. The piece of the puzzle that you don't hear is that she was there every night at that club playing her heart out. Like that's, you have to be there. The biggest part of the battle is just keeping it up, being there, not being discouraged. Play the dive bars. You have to play them at midnight. You have to play them at 1 a.m. to be able to play them at a better time. And New York is particularly brutal um, because there, there's, there's, there, there's a lot of competition. I mean, mm-hmm. going outside of New York City, going outside of New York State, you know, in, in between large cities, that's where there are, you know, clubs that are usually a little bit more appreciative. But then there are gold mines like the Bitter End and other places that um, – so that's not no, not not a blanket statement, um, but um, a huge part of it is just trying everything, being there, just you know, listen to listen to listen 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 to good music, look at good art, and take and take the gig, nah. just take it. I mean, even even if it's not at a time that's comfortable for you, even if it's one of my first solo acoustic gigs was between an all-girl punk band and a death metal cover band. Like, it, it was at Don's Hills, which is gone now. And it was a lot of fun. And I met some people who I actually, like, you know, f- still follow me. Like, it's... you Opportunity... The best opportunities are there. You just have to be there. And You, you know, it's funny you just said that. You know, I, uh, I've... Uh... Worked in politics. I've I've, mm. I've been a uh, consultant. I've worked on a lot of different campaigns. I've worked for some elected officials, and one of the the advice I was given, maybe not just to me, but I maybe overheard the, this person saying it. Mm. And again, this person has uh, been a consultant, worked for United States senators. I'm not going to name who it is, but he said, "Just say yes." You know, take the gig in yeah. politics as well. And sometimes you don't. Uh, maybe the the chief of staff or campaign manager or even the candidate you particularly want to work for is, is available. And, you know, you're, <laughs> I don't know, you're putting out lawn signs for, uh, you know, somebody you didn't necessarily want to work for, but you got to learn it somewhere. And um, it, it'll all add up to something. And uh, you'd be surprised what crazy, I'd call it a campaign, but crazy gig can lead to something. Absolutely. Uh, what doors it can open and what, what can happen. Absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, just... Submit. I mean, now in this online culture, submit to everything. Put your stuff out there. Do your research, but also, you know, it's just it's just a matter of if you need to say it, say it, and just keep saying it over and over again. Um, yeah. And find different ways to say it, and find different places to say it. But just don't expect it to come to you. Right. But that's the case with everything in life. I yeah. Mean, it's. You know, it, it never the, the the piece of the puzzle of every story of something falling into someone's lap, they were they were there every time. Yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta chase it and you gotta be in the right place, you know, and yeah. and you put yourself there, I guess. Yeah. Um, another question I had is uh, I like to ask this of people is well, any um, interesting books you've read lately or books you can recommend or what do you uh, have you thought about rereading recently? Um. And this has not, does not have to do anything with um, music, being a musician, politics, just in general, something about you that you like. Um, recently I read, um, it was Borges, who is, um, who is a writer and philosopher, and I think, I believe it was called Dream Tigers. And there's a series of kind of short stories, and part of it is that, like, especially during what's going on right now. Like my brain can't concentrate. I got that like 60 second TikTok brain at this point, not just because of TikTok, because I'm just so stressed the hell out yeah. from everything that's going on. So, um, and there are a series of short stories and they're kind of parable-esque and um, uh, they're really good. Um, oh God, what is the name of it? There's one, it's, it's a wonderful little short story and it's about, and it actually kind of goes, it actually kind of ties into something we were talking about at the beginning of this. Um, and the story starts with an old man dying in the shadows of a cathedral. Mm. And, um, and the short story goes to just say, you know, the narrator is talking and goes on to say that this man dying is the last man to observe 
pagan rituals, the mm-hmm. Gallic pagan um, uh, traditions. And with him dies all of that. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say that, like, you know, what, you know, that, that every person, that with someone dies something every time. There is the last person to bear witness to Christ, the last person to see this, the last person to say that. And then he goes on to muse, what will go when I go? And it kind of ties into what you were saying when you met Arthur Miller, that like there are just these these spheres that we come into, and um, we're all just kind of bearing witness <laughs> at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's there's a series of, of short stories there that they're all less than a page, and they'll just kick you right in the teeth. They're wonderful. Well, that's right up my alley. You know, I yeah. I, I I I order a lot of books. Um, you know, my wife yeah. makes fun of me. I just just to basically look at them on the bookshelf. But mm-hmm. I habitually start books and don't and don't finish them. I have um, probably a form of uh, ADHD where I I yeah. can't. You know, it's tough to concentrate for a very long period of time. I mm-hmm. I love to read, but I, mm-hmm. I I I sort of get bored or the appeal of starting a new book or uh, reading a newspaper or checking mm-hmm. out you know uh, another podcast or video. So mm-hmm. I'm in a million different books at once. Short yeah. stories are nice. Something digestible yes. is a lot is a lot yeah. better, you know. Yeah. Um, no, then he he's good. He also has one that um. I also like Audible, by the way. I'm I'm listening to. I don't know if you do it, but mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoy audiobooks because mm-hmm. um, you know whether I'm driving or whether I'm doing the dishes or whatever I can, you know whatever I'm doing, I I have to take the dogs. We have you know as you know three dogs now. Mm-hmm. So and and you really know really like yeah, we we adopted um, my mom's dog. Okay. So right. my mother had a border collie, okay. Dakota, which okay. uh, is um, Native American for friend to all. Okay. And we changed it a little bit slightly to Dakota, just to kind of okay. adopt him and give him, you know, a new yeah. name with, with, with one that he would understand. Mm. And it's interesting because, you know, Barrow is Barrow, Alaska, mm-hmm. which is the northernmost point in the United States. Kalai is Kalai, Hawaii, and Dakota is actually one of the more central parts of the United States. So, oddly enough, they're all geographic areas covering, covering all the bases. <laughs> but when I when I walk the dogs, I do. I listen to uh, I listen mm. to audible books. It's really great. I, I get a lot. I get a lot of books read that way. You know. Yeah. No. I um. I mean, I don't know if I've ever chatted with you about this, but um, I was diagnosed with um, uh, dyslexia when I was when I was young. I think I was in around second or third grade, mm-hmm. and um. You know, I um, that was for the longest time the only way that I was reading books was through mm-hmm. the audiobooks, and and having access to that um, really was how I ended up being able to compete and and read. <laughs> um, and um, I mean, just uh, uh, my girlfriend recently downloaded an app where you just hold your phone up to it and it scans the page and then it reads it to you in a British accent. And I'm like, I had to like, it was so much work. Like, you know, applying, getting the cassette tapes and getting the machine. And now it's just like, you just point your phone at it and you go. You know, it's funny you mentioned the British accent. When, when you, mm-hmm. when you're looking at the different audio books, mm-hmm. you can kind of play a sample and find, um, you know, the, the different narrator that you want. And in many cases, you can get a British accent, you know, right. you, wherever it may be. Right. Um, and I was stuck with whoever felt like reading, you know, the textbook that I was reading. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading in like ninth grade. Yeah. Um, no, no. I mean, I, I, um, I have not. I mean, again, in part, just because I'm, I've been so, yeah. <laughs> um, because of everything that's been going on, I haven't really dived in. But, um, I mean, for the, I, again, growing up, um, I mean, being, uh, being uh, dyslexic, but also. I mean, I had a, an awful stammer when I was younger, which on occasion you'll hear come out, especially when it's when it's late. Um, I'll trip on a word. It's, it's basically called clutter, which means a, a syllable, and it's still to this day, it's it's still it's still something that I deal with, um, where um, just you take a random syllable and it's just like you're gonna stammer if you say if there's a word with an M. Mm-hmm. So you know, I have to be basically, and you know, it's coming, and I have to be ready. To like, well, now I need another word that means that that I'm not going to trip over. So that's almost part of how I started trying to learn as many goddamn words as I could. Cause I'm like, there's just the, you know, I didn't want to step on one of the, one of the landmines. Um, so, um, I mean, 
that that is definitely a part of my art in a way because it's nice I, I i never get stuck on a word when i'm when i'm singing when I'm, yeah when I'm, when I, I i haven't heard you but um yeah. speaking, of, speaking of which why don't we um i guess we're we're nearing the end i'm probably gonna we'll turn this into a two-part sure. podcast which is pretty cool and um Maybe you play us out with the uh, yeah, with sure, sure. And I think I only touched on like a couple of things that I was going to talk about. So next, if you ever want to have me back again, I'm absolutely. <laughs> you know, I think uh, you know what you'll do is I'll put this out there. It's interesting. Some people have already commented. You know, it, it got picked up on Apple Podcast, and uh, oh. you know, people I don't even know said, "Wow, I didn't know there were that many interesting people in Bay Ridge." And we've you know, I've huh. done like I actually I've only had one guest, and. Um, I I wrote I read a story that I wrote about my dad. Mm -hmm. um, just it was um, a memoir that I had written about my dad, you know, and sort of how he tragically passed away. And uh, you know, people found that interesting. We've got you know over 140 downloads already, and uh, we've got cool. it picked up. So so hopefully I get that out there, and you know, people listen to your music, and maybe we can do another um, uh, another set with a little bit more music you know, sure, as sure. part of it, which I think is really cool. By the way, you're the first musician to play. And what I want the, the kind of the, the idea of Bay Originals is it's, I, I have a lot of interesting friends. I think, I think I've come across a lot of interesting friends mm -hmm. um, all across the, the world, really all across New York city. But I thought of Bay Ridge as a, um, as a concept, as, as any New York neighborhood, any Brooklyn neighborhood, mm -hmm. as kind of uh, this melting pot or this place that is a microcosm for the world where all these things are colliding, these personalities, mm -hmm. these different people, and just, you know, kind of our home being the center of the world, you know, for wherever you live. And, I, you know, Bay Ridge is my home. So I thought it'd be cool to start from Bay Ridge, but really just a concept, you know, you can interview anybody, but you certainly as uh, a musician, you know, uh, as a, as an artist, as a craftsman, as as a good friend of mine, and just an interesting person, I think there's so many different people in Bay Ridge that make up this kind of cool quilt of, of personality. Yeah. yeah, no, and it's I mean, I barely even scratched on. I mean, I, I my my family has been in Bay Ridge for so long, and um, I and it's I mean my so. My dad's dad came here in in, in the late twenties. Um, my uh, my 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 mom's family, my mom's dad came here in the in the early twenties, and um, I mean, you know, immigrating from Italy, Italy, immigrating from Norway. I mean, my my dad's mom was from Sweden, um, Swedish, or her parent. I think she was second generation, and. Um, my mom's mom was Irish, and that's the, the that those those four were you know were made up most of Bay Ridge for the longest time. I, mm -hmm. I my mom and dad were talking, and my dad still thinks that like I forget I forget the, how to pronounce the name, but he's like, oh yeah, Turkle's a common name. We're like, no, that's not that's not a common name. You don't you don't hear. And I know I'm butchering the, the I know I'm butchering the uh, pronunciation of it, um, but um. It, it it really is. I mean, every place is fascinating, but a great part of the Brooklyn and and New York is that it's changing constantly. Right. And through the course of our lives, through the course of our parents' lives, it's already changed so much, and it's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating, and it's wonderful. And, I mean, that's just really a great part of being in New York City is you get exposed to so much stuff and so right. many different cultures, and that's... It's great. It's just right again, it's back forth, I think, you know, there's just so much cool stuff going on oh, yeah. just right here. And so many cool people, you know, yeah. you know, yeah, absolutely. That are our neighbors, you know? Yeah. No. And it's nice is because um, I, I am actually fairly unfamiliar with the, with the scene for my craft in, in Bay Ridge, excuse me. Um, I know that the, you know, the Firefly plays music or did again, everything's shut down and the Greenhouse Cafe did it. I was actually, I was going to check them out with a friend right before the pandemic hit as well. Um, I know that there was a scene for, for death metal for a bit, but um, as you've probably noticed, not exactly, I'm a little bit out of my wheelhouse, I, I must admit. Um, um, there was a lot of alternative rock, you know, growing up in the 90s and going to a lot of the bars have clo since closed, but Bay Ridge always had a lot of live music. But 
I'd say it was, you know, look, I had friends who were played hardcore rock. Mm-hmm. Um, well, a lot of alternative, I mean, like hardcore rock and, and, and metal weren't as big at, at like kind of the bar scene. The bar scene was very big and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a big part of it was probably a lot of classic rock, a lot of, you know, um, guys who had bands for many years and they still do. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's a big part of it. Um, but you had, you had a kind of an eclectic mix. You had like, kind of like a, 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 some people that do sort of the, um, you know, the Frank Sinatra style classics and, yeah. you know, there's like kind of a karaoke scene, but there are people that do like live, um, live Frank Sinatra. And, and, and that stuff is incredible. I mean, some of that stuff still happens. Sinatra, you, you can't, you can't get any classier at the end of the no, day. Yeah. I mean, it's, and on top of that, like every artist, goes back to Frank Sinatra at some point. I yeah, so the standards, you know, the standard singers and uh, that that type of genre. There's, but the thing is that, like, they're standards because they are timeless. And, yeah. and, and the real mark of a great piece of art is if you can, there, there's something that's so, and I know you're trying to wrap this up, um, I, there's something so sad, and I don't mean sad as in, like, I mean sad and, like, melancholy, to me about a lot of like, you know, we are young, so we're gonna set the world on fire. Like that stuff goes by just like that. I mean, like, and, and there's the, when, and when I hear a lot of it on like TikTok and other formats and, you know, just on the radio, like it fills me with a sort of infinite sadness because it's music that's, that's anchored in youth and music that's anchored in a specific moment will always pass. Yeah. And, when you listen to a lot of the songs that Frank Sinatra sang, I mean, they are, they are timeless, you know, mm-hmm. themes of aging and love loss. And they're just, right. They're, they're, they're always relevant. Um, and I think that's why everyone goes back to them eventually and why they are standards. I mean, we're right. all working with archetypes and that's a great thing about writing a song is that you saying a turn of phrase saying, uh, you know, I can, it's again, it's like cheating. If I say like, Oh, I, I wanted to jump out of my skin or it made my skin crawl. Like you felt that you've said those words, like you, you, that visceral response, you felt it. And if I say that I might be talking about my own experience, but I've just conjured yours right. and you know, the visceral pain of losing someone that you love goes and kind of transcends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that we've all felt. Um, so, and with that, I'll play a sad song. How about that? <laughs> uh, this song is called um, uh, Mondrian. And um, there's a little YouTube video uh, on it, of it, a little video that I made at the start of the pandemic. Um, it's on YouTube, if anybody likes it and wants to hear it. dreamt you were a tightrope walker Some city skyline stalker But then you fell Into the sea You crashed into me And then I dreamt that I was a vagabond And when even my echo wouldn't you that set me free you gave a dollar to me and she dreams and dreams like Mondrian it's like she knows the hill I'll die upon she's lost inside a Mondrian where she's Someone ripped us in two And I lived without you And then I dreamt that we were in Alcatraz And you broke out 
much pizzazz through the bars you melted through yelled I'll come back for you and she dreams and dreams like Mondrian it's like she knows the hill I'll die upon she's lost inside dreamt everything was in its proper place like little boxes out in space over time and sometimes I pretend that we're still in love and that there is a God above showed me what's real and a deal is a deal and she dreams and dreams like Mondrian it's like she knows the That was phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, you are really a great, a great artist, a great musician, a great writer. And, you know, to put all that together in, so in the way that you do, that's multiple talents all, uh, all in one. You really are. It means a lot. Thank you. Thank you, so you know, much. I think uh, the internet just like froze for a second. I don't know if that's just on my end. I hope that didn't mess up the recording too much, but we can always do it again. I definitely want to bring bring you back, you know, and we'll, 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 do, we'll do some more sets. And, you know, we really, this is great. This was a really nice, long conversation that we've had and kind of just, yeah. you know, took off organically. And that's kind of I, I want, what I want the show to be. And hopefully, you know, people can listen. Um, yeah, I hope I, I hope I rambled in the right direction. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> great. You. It was great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to the, to, like I said, to the, uh, to the true uh, spirit of the show, you know, you really are a Bay original. You are an original person, um, a neighbor, a friend. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, I'm involved in politics, and I'll probably talk to a lot of political people. But the show doesn't. Um, I think you know, it, it's really centered around the different interesting people, and um, you know how that how that sort of manifests throughout the neighborhood in all different different forms. So. Mm. I want it to be a place where, you know, we can, um, we can play music, we can read poetry, we can read our stories and certainly talk politics. You know, that's yeah. one thing that I, I intend to do um, with a lot of my guests. What's interesting though is for you and I, we, we, we definitely don't necessarily see the world the same way in a lot of stuff and uh, probably disagree on a lot of, of politics. Yeah. I, I definitely find myself maybe passing by some of the stuff you might say on, uh, on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I gotta let that one slide and not yeah, say yeah. it, but. We're neighbors. I, I think yeah. we uh, we get along on a lot of stuff, and I think that's maybe what the world needs to do a little bit more is to kind of find where we're what we have in common. And we're not always going to agree on politics, and we've lost that. There's a there's a sense that everything's got to be political, and on top of that, it, you know, everything is this prism of politics. I, I you talk about Twitter, and there's no room for understanding anything else throughout these political means. You know, we can't talk about art. We can't have common ground in, in, mm. in uh, poetry or music or sports or entertainment or anything. And it's dividing people in so many ways, you know? No, you're absolutely right. And um, I mean, I, I, it's become very bipartisan and it's become there. I mean, I do, I do feel like there used to be a sort of, and not even 
talking about politics, but sort of like a middle ground. Like, hey, we disagree, but let's come together and yeah, and you know, let's let's walk the middle line. And it doesn't, and and just even on like, I feel like that it's almost kind of bled down into a social element. And yeah. I mean, part of how part of how anything works and i'm going to do my best to stay out of politics no i know yeah no 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 no. is this which is that the way (laughs) that we all come together and the way that we educate one another on how we feel Mm -hmm. is by talking to each other Mm -hmm. at the end of the day if we lose that communication there's no way to learn where anyone's coming from right and then you know that's when things start to get really really divided and um you know, what's interesting, too, is I, I'm involved in politics, but so little sometimes there's there's things that are gained. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that we learn as much through political discourse as, as much as, right. you know, when we talk about art, when we talk about music, when we talk about culture, mm-hmm. when we talk about sort of these things that are related to politics and maybe inform our politics, we really can learn from each other and we really can share great ideas about humanity, about all the things we just talked about over the last two hours, mm. it's really where, you know, you can, you can grow and learn and, and you're right. And um, that can, that, that can exist outside of politics. And un- unfortunately it, it, there's a, it just seems like a lot of that is being lost. And, you know, I, I cherish the, the, I cherish having conversations outside of politics. And I also, especially with, with, with people that might not, see eye to eye on some political things. That's so important, you know? No, I I do think that it is important that we, I I find it of the utmost importance to talk to people that you do not agree with in every form of life. And I mean Mm -hmm. that in terms of like, again, in in my band, I have players who come from different genres. And by having them there, I get a sound that I would never get before. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to play a guitar solo like my lead guitarist i can't play piano at all (laughs) you know i would not and by by working with people who come from different places who come from different walks of life i've been able to create a sound that's different and not something that i would ever be able to make on my own Mm -hmm. i think that we all become better when we talk about our life experience talk about where we come from talk about how we see the world Mm -hmm. and only that way I, i i i you only learn and you can only educate by talking and by seeing. So I, 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 the, over the past four years, it has become, it's, 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 it's become hard and there's a, there's a sort of decorum that's faded away. And I, I do hope that it, I do hope that it comes back and that we can. Well, look, we're good people get along. Um, and agree to disagree on things, but yeah, you definitely are a good guy, you know, I, I like to tell funny stories about about uh, my guests. I, I, I have a lot of stories where I've interacted with you, mm-hmm. and I've I've um, I can tell you about obviously, but I've heard some stories about you. Obviously, my um, my wife was your neighbor for for a long time, so I've heard a lot of great stories. One in particular um, was I know that um, you were Christine's date for um, for uh, the prom. For the prom, yes, and. Yes. Um, one thing she tells me about was, you know, she was having some uh, some issues that year medically, and she was at, out of uh, school for a while, and mm-hmm. you know, she sort of maybe fell out of favor with a girl or two, and mm-hmm. there might have been uh, sort of a mean girl situation going on, uh, maybe prior to the prom, and maybe it kind of manifest in some kind of like dance circle. Something happened where she felt. Um, the girls were, uh, a, a whatever particular girl it was, maybe said something the wrong way or that didn't let her into the, into the like the little dance circle. And, mm. you know, you, she told me you comforted her and, uh, you know, you gave us some words of wisdom, you know, and, and I, I just wanted to say thank you about that. And it just shows what a, what a cool guy you really are, you know. Well, and I'm happy that I did that. I also would like to know what I said because I don't remember the words of wisdom that I said, but I do remember that some of, I, 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 rem- I I think I know who who you're talking about. Uh, hopefully yeah. Not- well, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't even remember their. I don't remember their names. But I remember like, I remember. I guess it was right. It was right before she she was out sick for a while. Um, on occasion, I I'd shoot her a text and I'd be like, Hey, what are you up to? And I'd be like, Oh, I'm not doing anything. You want to hang out? I'm like, Yeah. And she's like, Oh, when I'm with so and so. And I'd be like, Oh, god damn it. <laughs> and be like, Oh, actually, I'm really sorry. I. Uh, 
I'm unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it was along the lines that, um, yeah. you know, you're a cooler person than them. And, oh. and uh, you know, this is going to pass kind of thing. And, oh, yeah. You know, you're, you're a more interesting person. And, that, and that, that meant a lot to her. You know, she talks about it. She's talked about it in the past. And I think it just goes to show the, the, kind, of, the kind of cool person you are. You're, you're a great friend. You're a great friend to me. You're a great neighbor. And um, just a cool guy all around. A real Bay original. And I'm glad we, you oh. got to be probably, this is, you know, almost put it in three parts. But part, <laughs> we're going to have you back. You know, we're going to have you back to. Yeah, no. Talk I, forever. Uh, you know, and I, the other thing I wanted to say was, it's funny, you know, <laughs> the first episode I read the story about my dad and sort of ends mm-hmm. tragically. And I said, look, no, not every episode is going to be sad. The mm-hmm. second episode was a friend of mine who ran for office and lost, essentially. He was basically mm-hmm. announcing, conceding. He had originally been up, thought he won and lost. And, and now I'm talking to you, we're talking about the pandemic. You know? <laughs> and well, it's a sad thing. So, and then you play a sad yes. song. And, and, and I, I don't know if but I know your, your cat just passed away. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that stinks. Um, <laughs> just sad, sad all around. I don't know. This is going to be maybe a sad podcast. Uh, I mean, well, You're looking for this. sadness, you know, well, I, um, I, I've talked about this on some of my other live streams, but a lot of people followed me because of the orange cat that climbed on my head while I was playing music. Um, as I, <laughs> I was texting, I was texting, um, 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 uh, Christine and I said like, you know, coincidentally, uh, you know, I've been fired from every live stream. I'm surprised you even want me here with that. <laughs> <laughs> to answer the question that I was always asking myself at night, am I here because they like my music or the cat? And the answer was the cat. Um, I jest, but uh, she, she, was, she was a whole lot of fun. She was, uh, passed away at 17, had a really good run. Um, when we picked her up, um, we, we had actually just lost a cat, and um, the cat had passed away. And um, like a week or so later, this little orange kitten comes to the back window right over here, starts screaming on top of her lungs. Mm. Oh, we heard you had a vacancy. <laughs> um, we brought her to the vet, and um, she was six months old, but she looked like a kitten because she was so, so malnourished. Mm-hmm. And um, the vet said, this, this thing's going to, won't, won't, will barely last a year. You should put her down right now. And she lasted 17 years. Out of spite. <laughs> um, so her, her story is not a tragic one. Um, she had a really, really good, good life. Um, and uh, she uh, was uh, was a was a really cool cat um and will sorely be missed but um you know again there's that george carlin line of whenever you adopt a pet you're taking on your own personal little tragedy but you still do it because it's fun it's fun when it's good you do everything you live because it's fun when it's good and then a little portion of it sucks but that's but that too shall pass it will yeah that's that's what we're going through now i think too and in in this uh you know pandemic and all the stuff that's going on and um Hopefully it'll pass. And um... oh, I mean it. I mean again, we've we have been collectively as humans, we've been through this a million times, and we'll go through it a million times. But it 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 too shall pass. Yeah. And I mean, yes, we are all touched by the things that happened. Life will there will be parts of it that will not go back to normal. But you know, there there you know, live music, live art, having friends, seeing <laughs> people, that stuff's older than we are. And I, and I think, like I said, uh, I think some of the good parts about it is that some things are created or force us into, um, you know, for this, for example, this podcast, you know, and um, doing things that uh, um, we might have felt a little bit more uncomfortable about doing that because we're, mm-hmm. we're around technology a little bit more and, and using Zoom meetings, we can, we can do things we weren't going to do. You know, the other thing I, I, I we, we didn't mention, on, I'll end on this, is mm. uh, another cool thing about podcasts or sort of, um, you know, this long-form interview, I think is coming back a little bit, you know. And yeah. I know people are surprised Joe Rogan blew up. You know, he's got a, a podcast and it's, it's, mm. it's on YouTube as well. And mm. millions, of me- millions of people kind of tune in to just hear sort of a long conversation and that was, you know, sort of lost on whether it's TikTok or Twitter or some of these other mediums where you only get a bit of it. It's really nice to have a long conversation. And um, yes, you know, yes. and I, I, I cannot agree more because I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've 
kind of been I was I forget who I was talking to, but I was musing like you know one of Dylan's greatest works is a ten minute long song, and the, mm-hmm. then he just did the what like the nineteen minute song about the Kennedy assassination. Mm-hmm. You think about Herman Melville's Moby Dick? Could you can could, could you condense that into sixty seconds? Like. Yeah. We are not, you can't boil an artist, you can't boil a life down, you can't, not everything can be condensed down into 60 seconds. As part of our culture, we're part of a, you know, it, it's moving very much towards a sort of instant gratification, flash, 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 and I, I get it, it's flashy, and when I'm trying to go to sleep, there's nothing more entertaining than just going through a vortex of quick videos, we don't have to, what's the Seinfeld line? I love jokes, you don't have to think about that much. Right. Um, but um, But at the end of the day, I mean, like, the try there there are certain elements of the human experience that persevere over everything and something like this it's been done before and it'll be done again and (laughs) no matter what happens and no matter what new formats come up these things reinvent themselves they're not Mm -hmm. they're not new and part of being an artist is realizing that nothing is really even as a guitar builder i mean like a lot of people are doing like you know sound holes that are like pointing right up at your face and weird shapes and stuff and it's like that was all that's all been done before it's all been tried before nothing is new it's just you know like i think one of them was uh, the sound hole here i think was uh, someone someone was doing it in i think 1830 or something like Mm -hmm. that i might be wrong and if someone listens to this and knows they can tweet at me and and call me an idiot cancel you you're gonna get canceled yeah well no well uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I uh, don't get me started. Uh, well, one of, one of the first, well, my first TikTok that blew up was I was responding to something and I, someone asked me the key of a folk song that I did. And I said, oh, well, you know, I capo this song over, you know, on the 10th fret. Mm-hmm. But the great thing about these songs is that they're so old, there's mm-hmm. no key. Just play it where it's comfortable for your voice. And I didn't realize that some people don't pronounce it capo, that that's sort of a coastal thing, that like there's the Italian pronunciation is capo. And all of a sudden, I just started getting hate after hate of like, you're saying capo wrong. And of course, they're saying they're not changing how they're spelling it. So that it's called capo, not capo. And I'm just like, it was like some sort of Three Stooges act. Um, you're not first. Uh, uh, but uh, listen, let's, um, let's wrap this up. We're going to say goodbye. Um, Sorry, you broke up just a tiny bit. Can you hear me now? For a second. You froze for a moment. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. I'm going to uh, stop this. We'll, we'll, we'll keep obviously talking, but we'll say goodbye to our audience Yes, right now. yes, because if and, we the recording, we'll have to stay up for another three hours. Um. <laughs> and, and again, one more time, just uh, plug, uh, plug the band and where they can find some of the music. Yes. Um, so my name is Victor V. Gerbo, Victor Vocally Gerbo, um, at www.victorvgerbo.com. You can find all of my platforms, all the social media that I'm on. It'll link you all around. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Just the V-I-C-T-O-R-V-G-U-R-B-O will get you there on whatever the platform is. And if I'm not on that platform, please tell me. Um, I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Music. It used to be iTunes Music. Now it's Apple Music. I keep saying it wrong, and I keep getting yelled at. Um, and um, and yeah, I um, I have an I have an album out there, um, and I have a lot of content, and I do a lot of live shows. So if you follow me on Facebook, you'll get those updates. Um, and uh, I got a mailing list and everything. So if you go to victorbugerbo.com, you can find all that stuff. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for letting me ramble. If you point me in the right direction, I'll ramble until, uh, until <laughs> you're a rambling until, man. And yeah, until <laughs> I will ramble deep into the night. Well, I appreciate um, it. And, uh, we'll definitely have you back and, um, thank you very much. That's, uh, yeah. that's Victor. No, of course. I, I, I got, I, uh, <laughs> I've got nothing but time, my friend. So ha- <laughs> happy to be there. If you need, if, if you need, uh, if you need somebody here, I'm happy to be All there. Right.